But I hope everybody had a good fall break. Uh, and welcome back. Did anybody's, did anybody's plans get canceled? Did anybody's vacation get canceled, had to change because of the hurricane? Nobody? That's amazing. That's amazing. Okay. Some? Some? I hate to hear that, but uh, we thought that ours was going to get canceled, but uh, we were able to make it down to the beach this last week and uh, have a little bit of time, rest, and relaxation. Uh, a couple of firsts for us. We decided to drive to Atlanta and fly out of Atlanta because it was a little cheaper. I'll never do that again. So that was not worth it, but uh, and nothing bad happened. It's just uh, when you get off the plane and you're ready to be home and you realize I got five hours left, uh, yeah, it's a little different. <laughs> but Florida was great, uh, a, little, a little different for sure. We got down there. There are no tolls anymore. That's great. I don't know if you, nobody was in the boost. We didn't give any change, but every time we went through, they took a picture. So I'm sure, I'm sure at some point we're going to have to pay for that. The good news is, is we rented a van from Toro for the first time. Toro or Toro? Toro. Yeah, if you've never done that, it's like the Airbnb of cars kind of. You rent people's personal vehicles. So they don't have any of our information. So somebody's paying for our tickets this week. So <laughs> that's great. But anyways, uh, the beaches, you know, of course, were not quite as crowded. Uh, uh, some of the, the sand was eroded away. And, and there was not as many people. Some of the restaurants were closed. But it was still a wonderful time that we were able to relax. And as I was down there, I was thinking about this message, and I saw some people fishing on the beach, and I really began to feel the Holy Spirit put together a word uh, for God to bring to you this morning. And I don't know who it's for, but, um, you know, there are times in our lives where we feel like probably we aren't receiving the fruits of our labor, and we can become frustrated, and I just really felt like the Holy Spirit was uh, giving me a word to talk on that this morning. So if you've got your Bible with you and you're going to be following along, I want you to turn to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 5. If you've got your phone, get your phone out, and you can go to Luke. I'm not using the TV, I'm not one of the TV guys, and I don't have any notes for you, but I want to give you four or five principles today that you can write down, and I'll tell you what they are and when you need to write them down, but we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 11, so it's a little bit longer passage, and I want to read it to you this morning, I'm going to read the whole thing together with you, and then we're going to break it down together, so we're in Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. And it says this, it says, One day, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. Okay, the lake of Gennesaret is another name for the Sea of Galilee. Everybody knows it as the Sea of Galilee. So one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding in around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen. Okay, the boats had been abandoned by the fishermen, and they were off washing their nets. He got into one of the boats belonging to Simon. Okay, today when you hear me say Simon or Peter or Simon Peter, what I want you to know so you're not confused is the same person. Simon's the fisherman, Peter, the disciple of Christ, but the same man. So he got into the boat belonging to Simon. And he asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let your nets down for a catch. Simon answered, Master, 
We've been working all night, and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. And so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full of fish that they began to sink. And when Simon, and P- or when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away, go away, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which are Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid, because from now on you will fish for men. So they pulled their boats up to the shore, and they left everything, and they followed him. So this is a very familiar story in the Bible. But as I was studying it this week on the beach and I was watching some people fish, I really felt like the Holy Spirit was showing me a couple things different. And I want to share those with you and I hope that they speak to you the same way that they they spoke to me. So as a kid, when I learned to fish, what I loved to do was cane pole fishing. Anybody ever cane pole fish before? It's a great way to fish because you've only got a small amount of line and you have a little hook on there, probably a bobber, a sinker, and you're using crickets or worms. And all you do is lower it into the water, and without fail, when you do that, for me it was off of a dock, within a couple minutes, the bobber's bouncing around, and you pull your cane pole up, and you got a fish on it, usually a little sunfish or bluegill or something like that. Now that was great. That was a great way to fish, and it was exactly the type of fishing that I needed as a young boy because the yield that I needed was there. You see, I didn't have the attention span to sit there and watch a bobber all day and not catch anything, so I needed to cane pole fish at the dock where I would catch a fish every couple minutes and it would keep my attention. So I would see the fruits of my labor. But as I began to grow older and learn a little bit more about fishing, you know, then I learned about the different temperatures of the water, the depths, the different baits you would use, where you would need to look to, to catch bigger fish. And with some practice, I began to catch bigger and bigger fish. And when I began to catch bigger and bigger fish, what I realized is I began to lose the joy that I used to find in cane pole fishing. It wasn't as fun anymore because those were small fish. And now I wanted to go after the fish. You see, if you ask a professional fisherman, which I'm not, but if you ask a professional fisherman, they're looking for the fish. They want the big fish. They're looking for the fight. They want to feel that accomplishment. And it brings them so much joy to do that that they're able to actually catch that fish and then just let it go again. And they let it go so they can probably catch it again or somebody else can and they can feel that joy. But a professional fisherman would never do cane pole fishing because there just wouldn't be any joy in it for him. So this last week as I was sitting down and watching uh, some men fish on the beach and I noticed that they were casting in and casting out, excuse me, casting out and reeling in over and over again that they would do this. But I never saw one of them all day catch a fish. And so rightly so, I began to think they probably don't know what they're doing. They probably don't have the right bait, or there's no fish. 
you know, maybe they're not casting it out far enough. And, you know, life is like that sometimes. Sometimes we get in a season where um, we're doing the things that we know we're supposed to, and the fruits of our labor come easy. We're being rewarded for that. But then there's times in our life where we do the things day in and day out that we know we're supposed to, but things don't come as easy. We don't catch a fish, or our nets come up empty. When I was fishing, when you continue to fish and you be better at fishing, you learn a very hard lesson that comes. And that hard lesson that you learn later in life is that not every time that you go out do you always catch a fish. Sometimes you don't catch fish. Now fishing to me and to us who are not professional commercial fishermen, fishing to us is a lot like golfing. Or I would think it would be a lot like golfing. You could be golfing and have the worst day of golf of your life. But there's not a lot to complain about because you're still golfing. You right? Fishing's like that. If you go out one day and you don't catch a fish, it's hard to complain. It's difficult to, to complain because you wanted to be there. You're still fishing even when you don't catch a fish. And so I was thinking about that uh, this last week I was, as I was watching those people fish. And what I realized is that fishing in the Bible, fishing for Simon Peter, wasn't like that. It's a whole lot different type of fishing that he did than we do. You see, for Simon, he was a commercial fisherman, a professional fisherman. This is what he did for a living. This is how he fed his family. It was his job. He didn't have the ability to be able to have a, a bad day of fishing. There wasn't that type of yield for him. If he didn't catch fish that day, he didn't eat. If he didn't catch fish, he couldn't feed his family. If he couldn't sell fish at the market, he couldn't pay his taxes to the Roman government. He needed to have a good day of fishing. He wasn't there for the joy of fishing. He was there because it was his job. And fishing wasn't easy at this time in the Bible. You know, you didn't get into fishing because it was an inexpensive job to have. You had to invest in these big, heavy nets, and you had to keep them up. You had to have a boat, and these weren't small boats. These weren't small dinghies. These were big boats. And a lot of times, the job that you had in the Bible or the trade that you took on was because the rest of your family had passed down that trade. His father and his father, his family and his family may have been in the trade of fishing. And they passed down the nets, and they taught him how to take care of the nets, and they taught him how to take care of the boat. So he needed to be good at fishing. It was his gift, and he was good at it. He had to be because he had to eat. So today I want to talk to you about obedience. What does it mean to be obedient to God? And specifically, how do you be obedient in adversity? How do you be obedient to God when your net comes up empty? When you don't catch any fish that day? So the title of my message today is actually a question, and that question that I want to ask you is, is will you cast your net again? Will you cast your net again? So in the book of Luke, we're going to be looking at one of those times that Simon Peter and his friends are in desperate need of fish to provide for their family. They've spent all night fishing. They're exhausted. 
Their backs are sore from bringing the nets in and casting them back out. Their hands are raw from holding the wet ropes all night. And they're tired. And what was their catch? Nothing. Not a single fish. Not even enough to feed their family, let alone to pay their taxes. Nothing. They've come up empty. And it says that Jesus was preaching down by the waters. And that's where our text picks up. And it says in Luke, And one day Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. We said that's the Sea of Galilee. Okay, and it's actually a really large lake. It's called a sea, but it's actually a really large lake. And the people were there crowding around him, listening to the word of God. Now, just to give you a little bit of background for this, just to, to set this in, when Jesus is at this point, we're, we're right there at the end of Jesus' first year of his three years of ministry, okay? Now, the Bible doesn't go into a whole lot of detail about Jesus' first year of ministry, but we do know that in his first year of ministry, Jesus began preaching to the people and gaining followers. He would do the teaching, And then it was in his second and third year of ministry that Jesus picked his disciples. And he began to focus in on mentoring his disciples and teaching his disciples to to preach or to fish for people. Okay, so we know that we're probably likely somewhere right at the end of Jesus' first year of ministry or the start of his second year. Okay, and another thing to realize is that Simon and Jesus, or Simon Peter and Jesus, are not strangers to each other, okay? They know, Simon Peter knows of Jesus, but he doesn't know Jesus for himself, if that makes sense. He's heard Jesus preaching. He knows that Jesus is in the area. He's actually met Jesus through his brother Andrew at this point, but Simon hasn't met Jesus for himself. He hasn't seen the power of Christ himself up to this point. Now it goes on in the text to say that people were crowding around Jesus. And they, some of the texts say that they were actually pressing in on Jesus when he was teaching. So Bible scholars believe that this was not a small crowd of people. Jesus wasn't teaching to uh, 10 or 15 people. It's more likely that it was probably 1,500 to 3,000 men, women, and children that were listening to Jesus on the shore that day. They were actually pressing in around him. And it goes on to say that he saw at the water's edge two boats, two boats that were abandoned or that were left there by the fishermen, and the fishermen were off washing their nets. Why in the world would a fisherman be washing his net? I began to think about this, and I did a little bit of research. Why in the world would they spend their time after a long night of fishing washing their nets? It seems to me that if I just had one of the worst days of fishing or one of the worst nights of fishing in my life, that the last thing that I would want to do is sit there and think about one more minute about anything to do with fishing let alone clean my nets. So why were the fishermen cleaning their nets? And the answer is, it's because they were setting themselves up for success the next time that they fish. They were already beginning to find their focus the next time that they were going to go out fishing. 
They weren't dwelling on that they had just gotten in and hadn't caught a single thing because if they did, they could let a bad night of fishing turn into two bad nights of fishing. So they were cleaning the branches from their nets, and these nets, you had to check them for snags or breaks or uh, any loose branches, biblical beer bottles and stuff like that that probably got stuck in them from a night of bad fishing. And they had to clear their nets to be successful for the next time that they went out and fished. My first point is that obedience to God and adversity will require you to clear your net. Obedience to God when your nets are empty will require you to clear your net. Some of us need to be a little bit better about keeping our net clear. Some of us need to clean our nets more often. When we're done fishing and we've had a bad night, we need to clear it right then. We need to let it go right then. We need to find our focus again. Remember what we're doing. Get rid of the branches and get rid of the rocks that are stuck in your net. Lose the things that lose your focus on Christ. Lose the things that take your joy. Lose the things that don't add any value to your life. Clear your net. What is that for us? Maybe you're watching too much news. Clear it out of your net. Maybe you waste too much time on Facebook and not enough time in the Word of God. That's me. I had to clear that from my net. I had to get rid of Facebook, take a break for a while. Maybe that's not you. Maybe you've got somebody in your life that's just sucking the joy out of you. That is a Debbie Downer, as I like to call them. You know, no positivity. Maybe it's time, respectfully, that you clear your net. Maybe your friendships need a friend shift. Get them out of your net. Sometimes obedience to God will require us to clear our nets. The next verse goes on to say that Jesus got into the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to push out a little from the shore. Now remember, Jesus is no stranger to Simon. It wasn't like he just came up and got in a random boat and expected a random guy to push out a little from the shore. Simon had met Jesus through his brother Andrew. So as a matter of fact, uh, the people have gone to the spot on the Sea of Galilee where they believed that this encounter took place, wondering why Jesus wanted to get into the boat, wondering why he wanted to teach from the boat. And they realized, and they took a boat, and they pushed out a little from shore. And what they realized is that there's these inlets in the Sea of Galilee that actually project your voice. And so it allowed Jesus, by getting into the boat, to be able to to project his voice for all of these 1,500 to 3,000 people that were there to listen to him teach that day. They were able to, to hear him. And Simon knew this. And so Simon did as Jesus asked. And then when they got out in the boat, it kind of acted like an amphitheater. And Jesus was able to talk to more people that way. So it says, he then sat down and he taught the people from the boat. From the boat, excuse me. Then verse 4 says, when he had finished speaking, Jesus said to Simon, push out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Now remember, Simon is a professional fisherman. Okay, he's the expert. He fishes every day of his life. Jesus, at the time, 
a preaching carpenter. Probably not fished today in his life for actual fish. Simon is the expert fisherman. It's his jam. It's his gift. He does it every day. And what Simon knows is that if you want to catch fish, you don't push out into the deep water. You don't let your nets down into the deep. You do it at night when the waters are cool, and you do it in the shallow water. Because these nets are huge, and you want them to go down, and you want them to hit the bottom of the shore. Or you want them to hit the bottom of the lake. Because then it's less of an opportunity for the big fish to swim out of the bottom of the net when the weights come together when you're pulling them back up. So you didn't push out into the deep water and let your nets down because then all the fish would just swim out the bottom as you're pulling it up. You did it at night and you did it in the shallow water. That's how you caught fish. But what did Simon say? What did Simon say? He says, teacher, master, we've worked all night and we haven't caught a thing. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. So Jesus was asking Simon to deny everything good that he knew about fishing, everything that he had spent his life doing. He asked him to do something different. Because you say so, I will let down the nets. Obedience to God will sometimes require you to cast your net deeper. Obedience to God will require you to cast your net deeper. It will require you to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Guys, sometimes obedience to God will take you outside the path you're on. It will take you outside the box, outside of your comfort zone. And the things that he may ask you to do may not make any sense to you. They may not be aligning with your path. They may not know what you know yourself to be successful. It's not a part of your plan. But what was Simon's response? Because you say so. Can you imagine how Simon felt in that moment? God gives Simon a decision and a decision that he makes and God gives us the same decision all the time. For me, every firefighter at some point in their lives, if you don't know me, I'm a firefighter, every firefighter at some point in their lives spends a little bit of time moving furniture. It's just a part of the gig. When you become a firefighter, especially when you're new, you're moving furniture on your days off. That's just what you do. And I can imagine, I've never been a commercial fisherman, but I can imagine that moving furniture is a lot like commercial fishing. It is back-breaking work. Oh, it is miserable. It's rewarding work, and it helps a lot of people, but it is exhausting. And it never fails. You spend your entire day loading up a moving truck, wrapping everything up, making sure that it's perfect for the customer and it's not going to get damaged, and you're playing this huge game of Tetris because the customer realizes they forgot to tell you about that extra bedroom they had stored up in the attic. It's always like that, and you didn't get a big enough truck. And so you're trying to play this Tetris game to fit everything in, and you're exhausted, and you get to the new house, and you begin to unload the truck, and it never fails. You get to the end, and the very last items on the truck are always the heaviest. 
Always. There's a sleeper sofa in there. There's a concrete armoire somebody was keeping for something. A gun safe, something like that. And I promise you, folks, I promise you, it's going upstairs. It is. Every time, it's going upstairs. And you're the expert. You've moved every day. You know what's going to fit and what's not going to fit. So you try and gently tell them at the bottom of the stairs, it's not going. It's not going to fit. There's no point in me carrying it up there. It's not going to fit. You're the expert. You do this. But in that moment, every homeowner becomes the moving expert. And they think it's going to fit. And I can tell you, sometimes, most of the time, the easiest, quickest way to get done in that situation is to humble yourself, to pick up the furniture, and to carry it to the top of the steps. And I, it's embarrassing to say how many times it's happened, but usually when you get to the top of the steps, when you've put in that work, when you've put in the sweat, you get up there and you will find a way to make it fit. You just do. You just do. Because they said so. Obedience and adversity may require you to find the strength to cast your net one more time. One more time. And you know what? It may not fit. You may pull it up empty. And it may require you to cast it again and then again after that. Because obedience and adversity will help you find your strength in Christ. Verse 6 says, When they had done so, when they had let down the nets, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners to come over in the other boat and to, to help them. And they caught so many fish that they came and they filled both boats up and both boats began to sink. Now, what you need to know in the times that Simon Peter was fishing, in biblical times, when you were a commercial fisherman, you weren't pulling in hauls like that. You weren't pulling in full nets of boat, or excuse me, full nets of fish. It just didn't happen. A good day of fishing, you might catch five to ten fish. You might feed your family and then take the rest of the fish to market to sell that day, the next morning. Because you weren't keeping the fish. You know, you didn't have a full net that you could just sell and they were going to be fresh for a week. So you were lucky to catch maybe three or four and then to sell and pay your dues with three or four at market. And that's what you were working for. You certainly never filled your net. There were only two people on the boat to pull the net up anyways. Two people couldn't pull up a net that full of fish. A catch like that would be equivalent to one of us winning the lottery. A fisherman in biblical times, a fisherman in Simon's time, pulled a net like that when they were obedient to God. He did it because Jesus said so. He let down his nets because Jesus said so. And because of that, and because Simon was willing to cast his net one more time, God blessed him beyond measure. Guys, we serve a God of great. We serve a God of more. And uh, a God who wants to bless you beyond what you can only imagine. 
But you have got to be willing to keep casting your net. You're not going to catch a fish every time. You've got to cast your net when you're tired. You've got to cast your net when you're frustrated. You've got to cast your net when somebody's telling you to quit. You've got to keep casting your net. Why? That brings me to the fourth point. Because obedience and adversity is knowing that through faith, God's favor is coming. Obedience, when your net is empty, is knowing that through faith, God's favor is coming. Keep casting your net. The breakthrough always comes before the breakdown. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid, for now you will fish for men. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, they left everything, and they followed him. And it was at this moment that Simon for the first time, saw the true power in Christ. And that power was so great, so amazing, that he was, he was willing to drop his, willing, his winning lottery ticket. He was willing to leave the biggest pull that he had ever pulled right there on the shore. He was willing to deny everything that he had ever learned about fishing and give up a life that he had built to follow after the power of Christ. You see, you don't come to know the power of Christ by knowing about Jesus. You come to know the power of Christ by letting Jesus in your boat. You see, Jesus didn't bring a boat that day for Simon. He didn't bring a a net for Simon to cast. He got into the boat that Simon had already abandoned. When Simon was ready to give up, Jesus got in the boat with him. And when Simon was willing to cast his net in obedience, when he was tired and when he was exhausted, Jesus filled his net, showing his power through Simon. Obedience and adversity will display the power of Christ in your life. Obedience and adversity will show Christ's power in your life. There was a man fishing on the beach one day. And this man had fished his whole life. This is a story I want to tell you. This man had fished his whole life. He'd become very good at fishing. But he'd never fished at the beach before. And this man, he'd spend all day fishing on the beach and he'd change his lines and he'd change and try different baits, different techniques to try and catch a fish, but he never caught a single fish. He never caught anything. So he pulled the line from the water and he gave up on fishing and he sat on the beach wondering what he had done wrong. And he wondered all day until the evening approached. 
And then at dusk, when the tide was receding and the fish were leaving, another man came along with a small fishing pole. And his pole didn't have any bait. It had a hook on it with a small colored bead. And that man tossed his line in the water and he immediately pulled out a fish. Astounded, the stumped fisherman questioned the man, explaining that he had fished all day with no luck. How could this man be so lucky to catch a fish when the tide was going out and the fish were leaving? The man explained that the receding tides stirred up the plankton in the water, and the fish began feeding. And when the time was right, the biggest mistake that the man had made was that his line wasn't in the water. God is great. God is good. And he's looking to bless you through your obedience. He wants to display his power through you. But you got to have your line in the water. You got to keep casting your net again and again. And for some of us, we need to clear our nets. We need to clean them. We need to refine our focus in Christ. And for some of us, we may need to cast our nets a little bit deeper. Get comfortable being a little uncomfortable. Some of us have given up already, and we may just be one cast away. One cast away. God's favor is coming, but you have to put your net back in the water. And finally, some of us may need to just let Jesus in the boat. Maybe you've never invited Jesus into your boat. Maybe you've never actually come to, to know Jesus to know that power, to find that strength to allow you to cast your net one more time when you come up empty. Maybe it's time to let Jesus in your boat. So today, my question for you is, will you step out in obedience? Will you see the power of Christ? Will you let him in your boat? Will you cast your net Again, let's pray together this morning. Father God, we're tired. Some of us are exhausted from casting our nets all night. And we're coming up empty. Some of us, Father, we're not feeling the return on our investment. We'd, we're not getting the fruits of our labor. And we're becoming frustrated in this life. Lord, we need you in our boat. We need you fishing with us. We want to be obedient, Father. We want to do the right things. We need to feel you. Lord, we're so thankful for the opportunity to serve you and just to be able to fish in your name. We're thankful for the boats that you've given us, for the nets that you've given us to use. And Lord, we just want to proclaim to you that when our nets come out empty, we are going to step out in faith and we are going to cast the net again. And we are going to wait on you, Father. We are going to wait on your favor and the blessings that you have for us. Thankful for the opportunity 
to fish for you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing one more worship song together as we close out the service. If you would like to invite Jesus to finally get into your boat, maybe you need to to clear your nets, to let some things go. Leave it here today. Maybe some of us just need to find the strength to cast one more time. Ask Jesus for that today. If you'd like prayer, our prayer warriors are in the back. They'd love to pray for you. Of course, you're welcome to come up to the stage, the altar, and pray to God. But clear your nets today. Clear your nets today so tomorrow you can cast again. Let's worship our King together.